I'll be like total disclosure. This was one of those mornings where you're like, I've got everything perfectly planned. It's gonna be very structured. And then the morning actually happens and you're like, nothing is going to plan. Everything is stressful. And I don't know what I'm gonna do now. Oh, I have to go upstage and preach this morning. So it's wonderful. It's just full disclosure of me. Hopefully it doesn't tune you out too much. But there's so many things today to try to get through and to try to cover. And so I'm going to do my best because there's so many other things that we want to make sure that you are equipped with, that you are prepared for. Um, because I don't know if you have been aware, but like this week, there's a lot of interesting, crazy things going on in our culture. Many of you maybe have seen the news about the Roe v. Wade decision and the things that were leaked from the Supreme Court and all of the other things. And as a policy, we don't necessarily come out and make political statements, nor do we come out and necessarily lobby and vie for different things. But instead, what we try to do is to equip and show you what it is that God's Word says and how it is that we, as the church, are going to be called to live. If you'll give me a moment, I'm going to switch over to this mic over here. All right, there we go. My wife makes a great stagehand, so it's really great. Thank you, for, thank you, Lauren. Um, but we wanted to take a few moments, and we wanted to just address some things so that everyone here at Woodside just kind of knows where your church stands, where our leadership stands, and really how it is that we want to move forward in this type of season and in this kind of um, temperature of our culture. Um, you know, when you think about what popular culture today is presenting, there's this, this dichotomy where you either value the life of a woman or the life of a child and that there's really no room to value both. That's what we kind of see culture presenting to us. But when we read God's word, when we evaluate the gospel, what we see is that there is that clear calling that we are meant to value all life at all stages and with all different variables that come with that, whether it be gender or ethnicity or socioeconomic status, whatever the condition of life is, we are meant to value that. And the reason why we're meant to value that is because we believe that all men, all women are made in the image of God. And because they have that profound reality of being made in the image of God, we as believers are meant to then therefore bestow that value upon them. Again, regardless of their condition, regardless of their differences from us, and regardless of whether or not they are physically born or if they are still unborn. So as a church, we value the life of those unborn children. We also value the lives of those women who have to make those decisions, who are faced with those decisions, and we can't be involved in every single person's thought processes or choices. But what we can do is say, how do we proactively serve mankind in a way that God provides us with the means to do so? So sometimes that comes in the form of financial support. 
where we partner with local pregnancy centers and we say, hey, financially, we as Woodside, we desire to support you. We desire to help fund money to you so that you can provide the necessary resources and training and counseling and whatever else is needed at your pregnancy center. We also do so by mobilizing the church to say, church, we need resources. We need this and this and this to be able to send to these pregnancy centers or to be able to send to individuals that we know about who say, we just don't know if we can, if we can even have a child. We have no money. We have no means to provide a living. Our call as the church is to empower and equip you to be able to do that. It's another reason why we partner with uh, anti-human trafficking organizations as a church, where we say we value the life of every human being. What can we proactively do? It's why we have special needs ministry. It's why we do kids ministry. It's why we have all of these uh, marriage counseling resources available, because the reality is we live in a fallen world. The world all around us is broken. We know why. We see why. And for us to simply stand on a stage and condemn the world for being who they're supposed to be because they don't know Jesus, that doesn't solve anything. Maybe it strikes a chord with some, but oftentimes what it does is it just drives people even further away to say all this church wants to do is fight, all this church wants to do is simply yell at me and tell me how terrible of a person I am for my decisions. Maybe for some of you, that's your story with church. Instead, what we desire to do as Woodside Bible Church, as followers of Jesus, is to operate with the compassion and the care that we see God display to us through Jesus. And we want to say, how do we support everyone? As best as we're able to, how do we support them? Not condone what they do, not condone their thoughts of life, not condone these things, but instead, how do we engage in love, in truth, with integrity? It's another reason why we do, uh, we talked about it at the beginning of this sermon series, why we do this global partnership. Two of the ministries that we are focusing on in India and Thailand deal with children who get abandoned by their parents because the parents don't want them. So what do we do as the church? We send workers, we send financial aid, we send tangible resources to these ministries in country so that they can go and be the hands and feet of Jesus so that they can communicate compassion, love, and care. In India, it's called It's a Girl. And literally, I've been there. I was there uh, right before COVID hit. And we're in this small little room, probably half the size of this stage. And there's got to be 15 to 20 little infant girls with moms, aunts, just guardians from the little village. And what was it that Woodside was providing? Formula, bottles, 
sanitation, cleaning equipment, to be able to clean everything and have it be something that's safe and sanitary. All because most of those kids were abandoned by their mom, abandoned by their dad, abandoned by their village for simply being born in that place. Sharing all of this with you, and it may feel a little bit like a PSA, but it's okay if sometimes we get real with you here at church. This week, there's going to be so many things, even more online on social media, maybe in your workplaces, maybe in your families or in your neighborhood. And let's not forget that if you are a follower of Jesus, there's a way for you to respond. How is it that you're responding? Speak the truth, absolutely. But can you speak that truth in love? Can you speak that truth in compassion? Can you also kind of think through, what does it look like to proactively be part of this? What does it look like for me to donate? What does it look like for me to go and volunteer on a Saturday morning at the pregnancy center? What does it look like for me to do these different things? so that we're not just a bunch of talking heads trying to make decisions for everybody, but instead, we as the church are activated and we move forward and we're proactive in the things that we do. Your church is gonna fight. We're not afraid to fight. And the only reason why we would do that is because what we see God say, and the way that we're gonna do it is we're gonna say, we're here for you organizations, we're here for you moms, we're here for you uh, uh, global partners, and we wanna support you and provide for you and equip you to tangibly be the hands and feet of Jesus. And that's what we as a church wanna do. So in your bulletins, you'll see some inserts about the sanctity of life. You'll see about different ways, different organizations that we desire to support. And in today, in honor of Mother's Day, if you want to support, if you want to be proactive in that way, you can look in your bulletin for details. You can scan the QR code and you can consider what it is that God would have you do. Also, you got the information about our global partnerships and all of the many ways that we desire to help our partners in India and Thailand you can consider, what does it look like for me to pray? What does it look like for me to give? What does it look like for me to be proactively involved in a way where I can help make a difference for the cause of Christ and for the sake of the gospel? And then this week, would you pray? Would you pray that in the midst of everything that comes out in culture, that God would use you to be a voice of compassion to be a voice of truth, but ultimately to be a supporter and an advocator and someone who is starkly different than the rest of the world around them. It's interesting that all of this is occurring while we're in the midst of this sermon series in Isaiah. And we're looking at this, uh, these verses of Isaiah because we're trying to understand a little bit more of who this man is and really what the call was on his life. So if you have your Bibles, you can open to Isaiah chapter 6. And in Isaiah chapter 6, what you're going to see is just a small window into what it is that Isaiah's life was all about. Remember how I said I was struggling today? Yeah, the one day I say, hey, no podium. 
So Isaiah chapter six, and we see last two weeks we've covered through it. Pastor Jim's walked us through that to help understand a little bit more detail of what the context looks like, to understand a little bit more of why it's important, why it matters, all of the unique facts about King Uzziah, about the state of Jerusalem at this point in time, about the uniqueness of what it is that Isaiah saw when he saw God surrounded, he saw God enthroned, he saw seraphim flying, and he had uh, a piece of hot coal from the altar touch his lips. Like all of these unique facts All of them lead us up to this point today, and this is how we're kind of closing out our series, where Isaiah responds, and he says, or God says, who is it that we will send? Who is it that we're going to send on this calling and on this mission that we have? And Isaiah's simple response is, here am I. Send me. Now, let's pause there for a moment, and let's kind of consider for the sake of us to, um, oh, wow, you're a great man. Thank you, sir. So let's pause for a moment and consider even Isaiah's response to God's question. Who is it that we will send? Isaiah had just beheld the glory and the holiness and the majesty of God. He had just seen it. He had just experienced it. He was just a part of it. And he had this moment of just, wow, these angel beings are flying around me. You've touched my lips with hot coals. Like, what in the world is going on? And he worships God more than likely in that moment. And he hears the voice of the Lord down there in verse 8. And I hear the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I. Send me. Have you heard God's voice before? Have you heard God audibly speak to you? Maybe some of you have. Maybe some of you are like, hey, I don't really know what that means. That kind of makes me a little, uh, a little nervous, a little on edge, because you're talking about God speaking out loud. But think about it. How else does God speak to us? How else does God communicate with us? The easy thing to think about is right here. If we believe that this is God's word, if we believe that God inspired men to write this, if we believe that this truly is the details of who God is, what his plan is for humanity, who Jesus is, what Jesus's life was like, and what Jesus called his disciples to, and if we say that we're believers, if we say that we're followers of Jesus, then this is us hearing the word of God. This is us hearing his voice. When we put ourselves before it, and we read it, and we embrace it. This is how you can hear the word of the Lord. This is how you can hear his voice. Know what it is that it says here in this book. How else can we hear the voice of the Lord? What we're doing right here together. We are being in the midst of other believers. We are connected, and we are um, choosing to place ourselves in community with other believers. 
Have you ever had that friend that maybe has said something to you and you're like, wow, that's exactly what I needed to hear. How did you know I needed to hear that? I don't really like you right now because I don't want to hear the truth, but I recognize that it's God speaking to me, not you. Have you ever had that moment? Have you ever had that moment when maybe a friend comes to you and says, hey, you'll never believe this. I was praying about something, and earlier today when you texted me, it was like God was answering my prayer through you and through what you said. So thank you for being obedient, and thank you for, for saying whatever it is that you said. Have you ever had that happen to you? Have you ever been that person where you recognize that God very clearly is talking to you Maybe through a spouse, maybe through a friend, maybe somebody in your life group, and you can't escape what it is that God is trying to say to you. How else can you hear uh, this voice of the Lord? How else can you understand what it is He's maybe calling you to? Do you worship? Do you worship? It doesn't mean that, you know, you know all the latest worship songs and you're belting it out in your car on the way to work. But when you're outside, when you're around creation, when you maybe look at that newborn baby that you just had, are you able to worship and praise and thank God for who he is and what it is that he's done? Worship is far more than just singing songs. I don't know if you know that. Worship is far more than that. Worship is that moment when you look at something and it causes you or you choose to say, wow, God, you are amazing. You are beautiful. Thank you for what it is that you've done. Thank you for who you are. I see your handprints in all of this. Maybe it's a sunset. Maybe it's the first day in Michigan where it actually feels like spring. And you're like, thank you, God. I like living in Michigan. Whatever it may be, are you worshiping? Are you recognizing where God is at work? And then maybe sometimes it is singing. Maybe there's that worship song where you're like, you know what? I've got to listen to this on my way into work. Because if I don't, I'm just going to be grumpy all day long. And I don't really want to be grumpy, Alex. Instead, I want to choose to listen to this worship song because it gets me out of my own thoughts and it puts my thoughts in my heart towards God where I'm able to simply say, thank you for the cross. Your grace still amazes me. Thank you for being the center of my life. Help me to keep you in that place. In all of these different moments, all these different instances, when it comes to hearing the voice of the Lord, the reason why we need to be able to hear the voice of the Lord, the reason why we have to be in front of his word, we have to be in community, we have to have these moments of worship or prayer, the reason for this is because Jesus is calling you to something. He's calling you to something just like he called Isaiah to something. So the question, the first question you have to ask yourself is, are you listening for God's calling in your life? Are you listening for that calling? In ministry circles, we talk about this a lot. Hey, do you feel called to kids ministry? Do you want to be a 40-year-old working in kids ministry for the rest of your life? It's a great opportunity. 
hey, do you feel called to go and serve people? Do you feel called to, you know, start a food pantry? Hey, do you feel called to be a full-time pastor? Do you feel called to, you know, have a full-time job? Sorry, I'm totally thinking like, hey, what do you do during the week? Um, Sit and read my Bible and pray. Oh, yeah, that's what I thought. You just work on Sundays, right? That's all. Yeah, that's all we do as pastors. That's all we do. But what calling is it? We use that a lot in ministry circles because we're trying to help people define clearly what it is that they're supposed to be doing, what it is that they're gifted for, what it is that they're equipped for, right? If somebody comes up to me and says, hey, I really feel called that, uh, you know, I'm supposed to be in student ministry, and that person doesn't know anything about youth culture, that person has really high anxiety being around people, that person struggles with maybe being on stage and talking to people, or that person maybe just, you know, doesn't connect well with teenagers. It's one of those things to say, hey, I hear what you feel and what you think maybe God's calling you to, but hey, let's really think about this. This is a very specific call. What's happening with Isaiah here is something for us to consider that God's call on your life, maybe it's going to be specific. But in reality, each of us as a disciple has a blanket call on our lives. We all have a baseline calling. And that is to love God, sit back, create my own little bubble, eat my Jesus chicken, and be really okay as Chick-fil-A, and be really okay with everything that goes on in this world because I choose to tune it out because I don't want to deal with it. I'm just going to stick my head in the sand with all my other Christian friends who stick their heads in the sand, and we're going to pretend that life's okay. Is that what you're called to as a believer? Are you called to pursue your most comfortable life or your best life now? Is that what you're called to? Are you called to this mindset that says, hey, God Um, wants to put you up on a pedestal and God wants you to be your best person possible because he values you so much? Is this what your calling is as a believer? When we look in the scriptures, whenever you hear Jesus speak or whenever we see God call people in the Old Testament, there's always this very clear definition and there's always this very clear purpose to what it is that they are being called to. Are you listening for God's calling? I think for Isaiah, if we take a minute again and look at his life, he responds to this call that God gives. Who is it that we'll send? That's kind of a call. Who is it that's going to go for us? Isaiah volunteers. I'll go. I'll go. And then God tells him what it is that he wants him to do. So if you look with me back here, look down at verse 9. Sorry, verse 9 all the way through 13. He said, go and say to this people, keep on hearing, but don't understand. Keep on seeing, but don't perceive. Make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy and blind their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts, and turn and be healed. Pause. Do you feel uplifted when you read those verses? 
do you feel like, wow, I really want to know who God is? I find a lot of peace and comfort when I hear these words. Does it sound like this uplifting, like heartfelt thing that God wants Isaiah to go and tell people? The answer should be no. You should not feel excited when you read these words. Because what God was calling Isaiah to go do is to go and cast judgment on his people because of what the people were doing. It's one of those moments like you hear maybe Jesus calling you and you're like, yeah, in theory, absolutely. I would love to serve you. I only have to work on Sundays. I can go to coffee shops all the time and read my Bible. Like, it'd be totally great. That's what ministry people only ever do in their life. You be quiet. (laughs) No, like, there's so much that's there. And for Isaiah... He's hearing all of this, and look how he responds. He says in verse 11, Then I said, How long, O Lord? Like, how long do I have to say all these things? How long do I have to speak these things? How long do I have to cast these judgments that you were telling me to say to these people? How long do I have to do that? And God says, Until cities lie waste without inhabitants. And houses without people. And the land is a desolate waste. And the Lord removes people far away, and the forsaken places are many in the midst of the land. And though a tenth remain, it will be burned again, like a terebinth or an oak, whose stump remains when it is felled. The holy seed is its stump. You maybe heard some sermon series before in Isaiah 6, 8, and 9, and more than likely, I'm going to guess, you haven't heard a, a great exposition of verses 10 through 14 because it's not fun and exciting, and it doesn't make us feel good. But it's the reality that sometimes what God calls us to do is to be truth sayers. Sometimes what God calls us to do is to speak the truth and to be blunt with people. But even in this, what you see happening here is you see that God begins to tell Isaiah, hey, there will be a tenth remaining. Hey, there will be a seed left here in this stump. And what God is talking about, and we'll see it kind of flush out more in the rest of Isaiah, is you begin to hear God talk about this thing called the remnant. The remnant of my people. Yes, I have to deal with my people because I am a righteous God, I have to deal with sin, I have to deal with things here, but there will remain a remnant of my people. And I will redeem them, I will restore them, and I will bring them out. And that's part of God's history with the Jews. It's part of God's history with Israel, is that yes, there's judgment, yes, there is um, righteous indignation from God towards his people because of their sin. But yet, in his mercy, in his grace, he leaves a remnant. You and I today are products of that remnant. You and I today are products of that because it's through the remnant, it's through the continuation of God's people that David comes, that Jesus ultimately comes about. So when we consider what is it to hear this calling that God has for you, 
There's a blanket calling we all have. Look at verse 9 again, the very beginning. It simply says, go. It may be this call to go, and it may not be a great experience for you. It may be something that's really difficult. It may be something that doesn't really make sense. It may be something where you're like, I just don't know if I can do this. But there's this clear call that every believer has to be going. Not to sit on the sideline. Not Not to be a spectator, but instead to be a participant in what is going on. As believers, our faith can't be passive. It has to be active. It has to be something constantly moving, constantly on the go. In Jesus, when I was looking at this passage this week, I don't think I ever put two and two together. Did you know that Jesus quotes this section, verses 10 through 13? It gets quoted about six times in the Gospels where Jesus is referencing what it is that did happen and how now, because of Jesus, he is bringing illumination, he's bringing awareness, he's helping people to understand and see. And Jesus kind of models again for us what the expectation is and what it is that we're supposed to do as believers. Maybe you've heard of this verse, Matthew 28, 19 through 20. It's called the Great Commission, actually starting back at verse 18. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to observe everything I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you to the ends of the age." That's a verse that many of us have probably heard if you've grown up in church. Maybe it's been on the placard of like your church walls. Maybe it's been all over your bulletins. Maybe it's something that you learned in Bible drill or in Sunday school where you just had to always repeat that over and over and over again, right? But think about the gravity that's there. Jesus is talking to his disciples. They know that they're going to be without Jesus. And he says, here's my charge, and here's my commission to you. Here's my final instruction to you. Go. Just like God did with Isaiah, when Isaiah said, here I am, Lord, send me. I don't know what it is you're calling me to, but send me. And God's response is, go. And say this. Jesus, he's talking to his disciples. His disciples are like, Jesus, we love you. We don't want you to go, but... you." Yes, you resurrected from the dead, but now you're leaving again. But we know that you're still maybe going to be with us, but we're going to miss you. Please, Jesus, we love you. We want to be close to you. We want you to not leave. And we want to do anything it is that you say. We want to go anywhere it is that you go. We want to do all these different things. And Jesus' response to them is, go. Do you see the theme here? Disciples, believers of Jesus, do you see maybe this general blanket calling that each of you have? It can be summed up in a word, go. Don't sit on the sidelines. Don't sit on the couch. Don't sit in the back where you think nobody can see you. 
but instead, go, be active, be proactive. Well, Jesus, what is it that I'm supposed to do? He says, go and baptize. Like, don't walk around and just be like, hey, I want to come baptize you today. Like, don't be like that, but go and teach them everything that Jesus has taught you. Are you learning anything? Are you learning anything with Jesus? Do you go back to that one thing that maybe Jesus taught you like five or six years ago, and that's like your only thing you ever talk to about with people? Are you actively learning? Are you actively hearing Jesus talk to you? Are you actively kind of responding to the things that maybe he puts in front of you? Or do you just have your old go-tos that worked in your past, but everything right now is kind of stale and dry? I've been in those seasons. I know what those seasons are like. So we have to ask ourselves, if we're called to go, if we're called to go to the world, if we're called to go and be missionaries, ambassadors, ministers of reconciliation in this world, how is it that I'm supposed to go? You've got to go teaching all the things that Jesus is teaching you. And maybe for some of you, it does require you to physically get up and go to those places. Maybe God is specifically calling you to say, hey, go to this country, go to this state, go to this different neighborhood, go to this you know, spot in your workplace, go to those places and be a missionary for me in those environments. Maybe that's what he's calling you to do. Because maybe you've been sitting on the sideline for a little bit too long. And it's time to get up, and it's time to move forward on mission. Or maybe, maybe God is saying, hey, not only do I want you over here, but I also want you to support the people that are doing this stuff over here. God, how do I support them? Well, know who they are. Be in community with other believers, because hopefully when you get together as a community of believers, you're all kind of talking about, hey, I'm really struggling at my workplace. Hey, I'm really struggling in my marriage. Hey, I'm really struggling with these things. I want to honor Jesus well. I want to honor my spouse well. I want to serve my coworkers well. Can you guys give me some insight and some help on like maybe what Jesus has taught you and what this looks like, what this could be like? Like think about that if you had a community around you like that to kind of help you, to spur you on, to kind of lovingly push you forward. Maybe that's how you're supposed to be a part of this. Maybe some of you, it's a simple thing of, hey, if you're not physically going, let's say, to the world, what does it look like for you to support the people who are going to the world? What does it look like for you to financially sacrifice for the sake of the mission moving forward? What does that look like? And have you ever asked God, God, can you evaluate my finances? God, would you show me if I'm honoring you with my, with my finances? Would you show me if I truly am a generous person? And I think when you ask him that, you just have to be prepared for what he might say. He might say, be at peace. You're good. Or he might say, hey, Maybe it's time for you to reconsider doing something over here. 
Hopefully today, at the very least, what you walk away with is that as a believer, as a follower of Jesus, we are compelled to go. God's calling in our lives compels us to go forward. Maybe there's a direct thing that he wants us to respond to. Maybe it's simply he's setting the stage to say, hey, you don't know why it is I want to move you to Michigan, but I want you to go. I don't, you may not know why he wants you to consider that other job where there's an offer on the table. You may not know what the implications of that is, but he wants to set things up because he has a greater purpose and plan for you in the future. Or maybe he may be saying, hey, I want you to lovingly and proactively this week pray for individuals that you know where you just want to get into an argument and a verbal altercation with them because of everything going on in culture. Maybe that's what, maybe that's what you desire to do. That was really, I really missed my moment there. Maybe that's what it is that he wants you to do. It's to prayerfully, with self-control, and with love, and with truth, engage in conversations with people to say, yeah, we live in a broken world. Let's talk about that. And above all, pray. Make sure that as you pray, maybe add into your request of the Lord, God, am I going where it is that you want me to go? Am I going down the right path? Am I going down the place where you want me to? And give yourself some moments to just listen, to be silent, and to say, I hear you, Lord. I'm here. I'm here. And I hear you, and I want to follow you. Let's be a church that's known as going out into the world, as going out into culture, that's going out and facing darkness where it is. And not by our own power or our own might, but by the power of Jesus, we confront those things. Intangibly, we're able to do something about it. There's a lot of things for you to consider this week. There's a lot of things for you to consider with your church. But most importantly, we want you to hear from God and to interact with him about what it is that he calls you to do. Let's pray. Lord, we love you, and we're thankful for the fact that you do hear us, the fact that you do listen to us. And God, there's so many things that maybe sometimes we get wrong. Thank you for your grace to correct us. Thank you for your mercy to remind us of those times that we got it wrong. And God, thank you for giving us a mission and a purpose. And would you help us to live in that place of mission and purpose? Would you help us to be focused on all the things that you desire us to be focused on? And God, for everybody here, you know exactly 
who they are made to be and you know what mission you have for them. And God, would you show them that mission if they don't already know it? Would you encourage them in the midst of their mission that they're doing what it is that they're supposed to be doing? And Father, ultimately, would you just help us continue to stay in this place of obedience with you? Again, Lord, thank you that you speak. Thank you that we can interact with you. Thank you for your son, Jesus, who makes all this possible and who gives us that opportunity to be in this relationship with you for all eternity. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name, amen. As we seek to respond, would you stand with us and sing?